Yo, what up? This is Brandon Morris. Welcome to the You Can Be More podcast. This week we're coming to you a little bit different. Uh, a lot of things is going on in the country, uh, actually all over the world. Uh, it's gotten everyone's attention, and it's gotten a lot more people's attention. I should correct myself, talking about the injustices that happen for for many many years. Uh, so tonight we won't be talking about basketball right away, but we will be talking more about um, the George Floyd's case, talking about the injustices, and, and so on. So I want to allow these gentlemen to introduce themselves. Again, I'm Brandon Morris here in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and I'm 37 years old. Maurice Michelle here, uh, DePere, Wisconsin. 36 years old. Jason Atanastoff, Racine, Wisconsin, 37. Sad Young, Kenosha, Wisconsin, 42. Greg Leach, Racine, Wisconsin, 53. John Atkins, Kenosha, Wisconsin, 29 years old. Thanks, fellas, for checking in. Uh, so, just just off the off the rip, we want to get right into it. Um, Sixty seconds or less, and we're gonna go backwards from the way we checked in. So, John, we'll start with you first. Just sixty seconds or less. How are you feeling about everything that has transpired over the the last two weeks? Uh. Did a lot of deep thinking over the last couple of days. Um, been thinking about people that I know that are on the Chicago police force. I've been thinking about my colleagues, you guys. I've been thinking about the players that we coach and their families and how they're going and how they're feeling. Um, been seeing uh, some powerful things in Kenosha lately and uh, saw your Facebook Live video yesterday and that was pretty powerful. It was uh, an act of humanity, as I'd like to call it. It was, it was something special. Greg. Yeah. Um, a buddy of mine, I haven't been watching news of late uh, because it seems to be really divisive and I kind of wanted to stay away from it, but a buddy told me that I needed to see a video and um, he said, but be prepared. It's not pretty. And I was heartbroken after watching it and um, questioning whether protests protests really work. And um, I was in, uh, I was heartened by the fact that today we saw uh, the charge against the first officer went a little bit higher, and then the other three were charged as well. So um, heartened that things are moving in the right direction. But where do we go from here? Thank you for that. Seth, how are you feeling? Overall, um, these last couple of days has been, you know, crushed, devastated. Um, what has transpired, um, I was able to do my homework on it as far as uh, who had this angle and who had that angle, and just to see uh, uh, an individual. Um, being placed on the ground 
or actually pulled from his car, placed on the ground, or pulled from his car, put in handcuffs, um, placed on the ground, picked back up, put in the squad car from one location to around the corner. And, you know, for that spot to be, you know, where he was, uh, where he passed away, I, I mean, I just went crushed and, you know, just, just really devastated the whole thing. Thanks for that. Jason, the tennis floor. Just sad, you know. Um, he seems to be countless examples every year, but being a father, Rich, you kind of see it from a whole other angle. And uh, the questions they ask in minor four and five, and we're as honest as we can be. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm obviously not a black man, I'll never fully get it, but it, it really brought back a lot of stuff from when I was a kid, and, and you know, my mother's from the Philippines, and friends that I consider close friends and things that even if I see them to this day, they'll, they'll talk with a fake, you know, Filipino accent and things like that. And it just a flood of emotions and, and, uh, just a sad time. Corey, thanks for that, Jason. Yeah. Great, great stuff, fellas. Um, you know, Brandon and I, you and I had spoke about this at length on Thursday last week when a lot of this was breaking in and, I gotta say, for the first time in my life, watching a video, I mean, I've been close. This is the first time in my life watching a video that I cried. Um, to see me laying there, to see you laying there, Brandon, um, to see to see someone that looks like us laying there um, in the, the, the blatant disregard for human life um, was angering. You know, when Brandon talked to me on Thursday, I, I was angry. Um, and he really, gave me some inspiring words when we talked and you know one of the things that I am hopeful for um, is one I'm seeing more people now starting to stand together um, hopeful for uh, the, the officers being charged but I, charging is not enough they need to be convicted and have the to the highest level of the law just like we would be um, and uh, you know I'm hopeful that this awakening that we're seeing, I hope throughout the country, I hope that's what this is. I hope it's not something that's just short term. Um, I'm hopeful that we're gonna see a lot of new, vibrant, young, diverse leaders coming forward with a powerful voice. Um, because right now our politics in our country are broken. And I'm hoping that we see this new wave of leaders that are really gonna make the change from our generation on down. Um, I, I'm, I saw it with some of my students ex-students leading protests in Green Bay um, and ex-players and uh, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm thankful for them I'm heartbroken I'm angry but it's it's a cycle we've seen so many times again and again thank you for that Corey um, so I guess I, I, I mirror a lot of the things you guys said John mentioned watching the, the protests here in Kenosha know, an act of humanity. Uh, Greg mentioned, you know, Harden and uh, with the progress, but where do we go from here? Uh, Seb mentioned, you know, different emotions. Um, Jason as well, flood of emotions, sad times. Uh, and then Corey mentioned in the whole blatant disre disregard for life, you know, but hopeful and heartbroken. So I think I'm a 
along those same lines as, as you guys. Um, and even though you, I think, you think have so many thoughts about it, you still ask yourself and you ask others why. Um, so I think it's just I'm 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 with you guys. It's just an emotional wreck about it all, um, and I think social media has a lot to do with it nowadays. Camera phones have a lot to do with it nowadays. Uh, so I'm I'm thankful for for all of those things to shed some light on it. Um, because if you didn't have camera phones, if you didn't have social media. Uh, you know, where, where, where would this be? Uh, so my next question, and we're gonna go in the reverse order, uh, starting with Corey. Uh, Greg said it first, and, th and that was my next question. Where do you, where does, where does everyone go from here? Even if you're just speaking for yourself, where do you go from here? Now that we all know that the first officer uh, was arrested and going to be charged, and now they're following up with the other three officers. Where do you go from here? Well, I think it's, it's uh, one, we have to see them convicted. Um, I think that as, as a whole, as a nation, that, that needs to happen. Um, the whole world is watching Minneapolis right now, um, and it's up to those DAs to get the job done with that and, and face a penalty that's fitting the crime. Um, I think uh, I watched President Obama's uh, roundtable today. He did a community roundtable um, and spoke about systematically ripping apart the, the, the built-in injustices that our, our, our people face. And um, I think we have to start building on our ground levels in our communities. I see all of you guys doing that in your communities and, and inspiring the people around us, speaking up when we see injustice. And we have to we have to jump to action. It's more than social media. Use our platforms. Use whatever platform we have to teach young men and women that, that this isn't acceptable. Um, you know, the Green Bay Police Department fire uh, chief uh, mentioned signing up to be a cop. You know, and my thing well, that's a great idea. But what are you doing to really inject yourself into our community with these young people? wanting them and inspiring them to be cops. What are you doing to say? It's more than just saying it with a microphone. So I, I think we have to start building initiatives to start ripping down this, these injustices and start calling them out, revisit bad cases, and, and start fighting for our people across the board. Um, and hopefully, it's, it, you know, President Obama said it today, it's not gonna seismically shift in one week, but it can make a big shift in a generation. And our job as a generation is to leave our country better than it was for us. That's our job. That's our duty. And if we don't do that, shame on us. Jason, you mentioned uh, your, mo your mother. Uh, you mentioned your friends. Do you think they will have a different outlook now? Uh, and where do you go from here now that you know what's happening with those those police officers good question i'd like to think they would um you know you got to watch what you say and 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 respect people um i think about all of us as coaches um and our teams that we've had over the years what a beautiful thing 
I don't view my players as black players, brown players, white players. Um, and how can we, whether it's just our school as a whole, our cities as a whole, um, get it to reflect what we get to see, you know, four months out of the year and, and a large, on a larger scale for Corey when he's with his guys almost year round. Um, and, and as teachers and coaches and parents, you know, is it going to change in our lifetimes? Uh, we can only hope. Um, but we're going to make damn sure our kids don't judge people by the color of their skin, sexual orientation, uh, religion, whatever. Uh, how political this has become is it's so frustrating. I, I mean, who cares if you're a Republican, Democrat, independent? Who cares? What does that have to do with it? And so it's just frustrating to, you know, I can't watch CNN or Fox News or MSNBC anymore right now. It's just infuriating. I used to watch it for comedy to watch, you know, topics that weren't obviously of this magnitude and just it was almost comical to see how the same news is reported. Um, but something like this to become political is it's a shame. Said you mentioned about, you know, many different emotions. You're obviously a a forty two year old black man who's seen uh, seen quite a bit where, did, where do you go from here now that you know uh, all four police officers have been arrested and will be charged or are, are charged? Um, where I can really go from here right now, I, mean, uh, I can't really answer that. I can just sit back, um, relax, uh, continue to watch the news, uh, everybody's social media, um, because I've really been up on it, posting stuff. The only thing that I'm actually more concerned about um, in the whole situation is um, will they be convicted? Um, there's only one person in the state of Minnesota that's ever been convicted of a crime as a police officer for a murder. Um, and then, you know, what, I mean, as we're watching this news, I'm, I got three kids. Um, I was 15 and my youngest is eight. And what, what are they seeing? What are they growing up in this day? How can I protect them? I'm sitting in the backyard of my life, and we had a lengthy conversation about uh, arming ourselves now because uh, the protesters, um, the earlier protest in Kenosha um, was getting close to our home. So it's like, um, first and foremost, is trying to realize and, you know, picture how do I continue to protect my family? And then I can worry about the rest later. Yeah. Thank you for that said. Greg Leach, you are the the, the oldest uh, that tune in and, and 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 give great words of wisdom every week with the podcast. You came up through the, the, the 70s and the 80s and you've seen a lot of changes. You've been around a lot of different people and I consider you uh, very well-rounded from what you've seen through those times to now where do you where, where does it go where do you go from here well the first thing that I wanted to say is um, it was nice to see some leadership from the White House today meaning President Obama and George W. Bush um, and that's where it needs to start every you know, there have been a lot of situations like this 
throughout the years. And, you know, there was Charlottesville when a year or so ago, and uh, everything was always divisive. But, I mean, it starts with trying to bring everybody together. Um, and this, and, and rightly or wrongly, um, but what happened last week brought conversation between me and my mother for the first time about um, what she grew up with and what she understood. She, she grew up uh, upper Wisconsin, but married a man from Tupelo, Mississippi. And after they got married, they, they had my oldest brother, and he was about a year or two years a year or two old, and uh, they traveled down to see his parents. And they saw uh, a black man walking the street. He was hitchhiking. This was mid-50s. And she told me that they picked him up. They were taking him into the city. My dad was filing for unemployment. She didn't quite remember where he was going, but <clears throat> she had to go to the bathroom. And uh, the man that they had picked up had to go as well. And they got out of the car, and my mom was walking, my mom could get lost, um, my mom has gotten lost in a roundabout. I don't know how, because all you gotta do is go around and come back up. But she said that she, she was walking with the man to go to the bathroom and my dad called her back. And um, he said, you need to be careful because um, you could get shot. And my mom said that was the first time maybe she walked up to the water fountain and said, and saw for blacks, for whites, and for in in bathroom as well. And um, she said it was a real eye opener for her. Um, she hadn't ever really saw racism to that extent in her life. You know, she was you know early twenties at that point. Um, and so I think about where we were, and even a little bit prior to that lynchings. And you go back to Corey's comment. Um, that President Obama said about it, it's generational. You may not see it, but we have come a long way, but certainly um, not where it needs to be. And um, I went to the rally, and, and, and I told somebody that I was going, they said, that's, you know, it, I don't know you, Greg, to be somebody that would ever go to a rally over anything. And um, I hadn't. And, and never really thought of it. And, and, and I, I say this as a positive. I mean, there are a, a, a lot of reasons why I went. Um, one of them is that I have a, a saying from Martin Luther King in my, uh, my upstairs um, office area. And it, it talks about who you are as a person in troubled times versus comfort and convenience. And um, if I didn't go to that protest to stand up for what was going on or and what didn't happen, then I needed to re-examine all of my values and beliefs. And um, and so I was there. And I made a comment in the, in the text trail, and it was serious, and I'm always joking, and I don't know if people thought I was joking or not, but I, I, I kneeled for... 8.53 or 9 minutes or whatever that was and um, I struggled on my knee and switched 3, 4, 5 times and I thought as as we went through those 9 minutes um, what he had to go through with a 
pops knee in his neck or on his neck in the terror that he must have felt and uh, it was it was really moving for me um, and so to kind of wrap it up I would say the fact that it generated the conversations that I had with my mom it motivated me to go to the protest um, those are all positive signs but we need to start at some point I think we need to start moving away from the protests and into how to make um, changes, educate people, make changes in the laws that can have an immediate effect. And I, and I know it's very important in, in I, you know, I'm hoping for the same thing for a conviction, but that's not going to happen for a year. Um, so what are we going to do in that year to make all those protests and in, in gathering or getting the nation's interest? Um, what are we going to do to take it to that next level? That's where I think the focus needs to be. Thanks for that, Greg. Uh, John, you're, you're the youngest of the crew. Um, you've seen the least amount when it comes to history. However, you've seen enough. And you're, you're our, our, trivia, our trivia guy for, for the podcast. So we consider you a history buff, and I'm sure um, you've seen the things over over time that that's a lot like this when it comes to injustices. Where do you where do you where do we go from here? From a historical standpoint, um, obviously, you know, with COVID, with COVID and everything, we've all I mean, I've had time to. Yeah, I'm a big documentary guy, so I, I watched. Uh, I think the Smithsonian Network put out a program called America in Color, and they took a lot of black and white footage and somehow got it colorized to make it look more modern and things like that. And one of the things I've been thinking about is just how upsetting it is that history repeats itself. Economically, socially, big picture items, it repeats itself, and that's pretty upsetting. Um, you know, I thought about, it's just a random example of you know, I think from the U, the documentary the U about Miami hurricanes, and they mentioned riots in Miami, and the one thing that stands out, they shot the courtroom footage, they showed the courtroom footage of that officer being acquitted, and it's like, you know, what Corey said earlier, you know, a conviction needs to happen, obviously, it's, it's on tape, it's there. Um, where we go from here, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the idea as us, as coaches, and you know, we're, we're educators even just as coaches. I mean, I know I'm a teacher. Jason, you've been a teacher. Brandon, you you were a teacher of mine when I was in high school. Um, but we're all teachers as coaches, but even some of us that are still in the education field, it's our job to educate. You know, if we see something that shouldn't be happening, it's our job right then and there, like, that's wrong. This is the way people should be treated. Um, I, I plan to be a father someday. Um, I know Corey was talking about the hope of vibrant leaders making their stand, making changes coming out and you know and with the comment or the quote from Obama talking about how it might take a generation, that generation is gonna be the one my kids grow up in. And I know I mentioned earlier about how I thought a lot about the kids that we've coached. You know, it's gonna they're they're the ones that are gonna be the leaders of that generation. So um there's a lot of different things, elements with social media and 
of people can be brought together by that if used correctly and if, if we're educated. If the kids are being educated, as people are being educated about what's happened in history, to use that to move forward in a positive manner. I think I mentioned the word humanity earlier. I looked it up a few days ago. Humanity is the human race. The, what, what can be done for the, com, the, the good of all human race? And um, uh, that's just what I think about it as of right now. I mean, what, what can be done to help out the human race as a whole, humanity, understanding each other? I mean, I know I'm kind of babbling, but it came to my mind. I saw a message from a local college basketball coach, and he talked about respect of others not being enough, and it needs to be moved towards an understanding. And I know Jason said it earlier, and I agree with him that, you know, not being a black man, I will never fully understand but I can do my best to understand enough and to make positive change on the people that we coach, the people that we teach, the people that we uh, come in contact with in our lives. Excellent. Thank you. Wow, that was, that was deep. Um, so for me, I think it really comes down to holding those people that are in office locally accountable. Uh, those are the folks uh, that have the power uh, to make the changes that we look to, to that we look to have and um, I think that's what it comes down to but not just them I think each one of us locally can do our part by not allowing the conversation to stop today continuing the conversation daily and also encouraging, inspiring, motivating, and making everyone crave to make the right decisions that will be impacted later on down the road. I think this should just be the start of it and eventually uh, daily, again, educate yourself on those that are in offices from your aldermen to your county exec, to your mayor, and and obviously uh, voting and encouraging everyone to vote. And not just vote because, uh, like you guys mentioned, you want the, that Democrat in office or that Republican in office, but vote and do your, your homework. Educate yourself on those that are running for those particular offices specifically for the local positions. Again, I mentioned aldermen, um, uh, school board presidents uh, in those positions, as well as the county exec and the mayor, uh, because locally is where it starts. Everybody looks at the top as presidents and vice presidents and so on, and, and those votes really do matter, but I think a, a big part of it starts locally. Um, and like I said, hopefully you keep that conversation going uh, so that people are encouraged. Greg. Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, a lot of people don't understand the protests and why the protests. And I can, I can sympathize, as Jason and, and, and John said previously, but I can't truly empathize unless I educate myself. And... Um, try to understand. To, to be able to empathize, you have to have understanding. I'll never have full understanding, but I can try. 
and I, I think we've got to, we have to focus in on that. And, and Seth sent me something um, over these last few days that really hit me, and I asked him to send it to me again. And it was a list of um, probably 30 people that had passed away or had died, murdered in a very similar fashion as what happened last week. And one of the comments was, I, we can't walk home with Skittles. Trayvon mm. Martin. We can't party on New Year's, Oscar Grant. We can't get a normal traffic ticket, Sandra Bland. We can't lawfully carry a weapon, Philando Castillo. We can't break down on a public road with car problems, Corey Jones. We can't have a disabled vehicle, Terrence Crutcher. Um, and, and it goes on and on and on. And it just seems so trivial. Um, it's something that really hit home with me because I've seen these happen and I've heard about it. And it's been heartbreaking, each and every one, but put it in its totality and, and, and try to understand and, and educate where African-Americans have come from and what they're still dealing with today and in all the areas, and, and I don't know whether we'll get to it today, but you know, some of the things we talk about systemic racism, educate yourself on what that all entails. And it's a hell of a mountain to climb. Yeah. And can be really frustrating. Great point. So that brings me to a quote. That reads from um, Martin Luther King. He says, in the end, we will remember the words. We will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So going in the reverse, what does that mean to you? In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends. Um, so John, we're gonna come to you first. Um, I, I think on the most simple, simple basis right now in my life, I'm just, I'm thankful to be a part of this tonight. Um, I haven't been the most involved on social media about everything, I kinda just, been taking it in and kind of digesting it and you know when there's a conflict when there's something big that happens a lot of the things that might be said and I'm not trying to generalize just I've been observing different posts and different ideas and you know some of it might may be impulsive either way it's very strong um to be honest being on this tonight's the first time I've talked to any uh anybody that's black about what's been going on and I, I feel the power of that I, I feel yeah, I'm thankful to be a part of this. Uh, what is it? Not we won't we won't remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Um, it's it's important to whatever you believe. It's important to just like we talked about earlier, just trying to understand. 
Yeah. Trying to educate, trying to understand, making yourself a human being in this world and not just by sitting by and watching it go. You know, doing, whether you're speaking or whether you're doing, whether you're a person of action or a person of word, more, you know, what are you going to do to be a part of it? And not just sitting back and watching it go by. I think that's the best I can do with that one. Thank you. Greg. Um, I talked a little bit too long on the other ones. I'll make it real short here, but through basketball, um, playing in high school, coaching, I've had uh, an opportunity to create lifelong lasting friendships with people of color. And um, I went, as I told you before, I went to the rally and I had multiple reasons as I, you know, for doing that. Um, one of the things that I really wanted to do in, in, in going was to support Michael, who played a big role in putting that thing on, to support you, Brandon, to support you, Corey, to support you, Seb. Um, we you know, had the t-shirts made for the basketball season that said brotherhood, um, and that was meaningful for me, and I wanted to be there for you as your tears, Brandon, suggest. Um, it's a really important time, and as, as a friend, I wanted to stand side by side with all of you. Say it. Uh, those words really mean to me is, you know, going back to where GL says, um, back in 2016, I was lucky to uh, get a phone call from a, a very respectable guy um, that I worked with um, in this organization, and I was able to travel out to Alabama, <clears throat> Birmingham, Alabama, and I was on uh, 16th Street. Actually walked through the the park. Um, I don't know if you got a lot of you guys understand this, where uh, the, the church got bombed back in the seventies or something like that. Um, well, earlier, um, the four girls in the church got blew up and stuff like that, and the big riots out in the park and stuff. Um, a lot of people still. When I was out there, I was out there for what nine days. Um, got to talk to a lot of the older people walking the streets. Um, you know, just seeing different cultures. The bricks still laying there. Um, a whole bunch of other stuff still laying there. I actually got to see the uh, the dogs and how the cops unleashed the dogs on the individuals and the people that were out there. And uh, just going back again to what G said, um, what's happening right now is destroying something. Um, and, you know, my legacy as far as what I want to be remembered as, you know, when I, when I walk away as that brotherhood, where's that bond at? Um, it's always going to be a brotherhood for, for me no matter who, I encounter with, um, you know, past, present, or future. It's just that brotherhood. It's got to be a brotherhood regardless. Jason. Um, the way I interpret that quote, um, is Dr. King didn't care what people thought, uh, um, except his close friends and family. And what he's asking of his friends and his friends' friends and his friends' friends' friends is being silent is not okay. And that's what matters to him is that the people he cares about and loves um, were in the civil rights movement with him. Um, and, and just to piggyback on what John said about social media, um, 
you know, when I saw Brandon's story about don't hashtag the Black Lives Matter and and uh, certainly respected that and just on Twitter from our athletics account, our basketball account, um, trying to share things of people coming together. There was a really neat story um, about, I don't want to get her race wrong, but a white, I, I believe a white girl and a uh, black young adult um, rolling a basketball hoop around the city of Philadelphia and providing hand sanitizer um, and just bringing people together. And so, um, you know, posting stuff as far as, you know, I'm not a black man, but we can still use that platform to show, hey, we don't get it. We don't understand, but we are standing with you. Excellent. Corey. Uh, um, you know, for me to provide context of how I grew up, um, I was adopted at a very young age. Um, my, both my parents adopted me are white. Um, they are my parents. I love them. Um, they tried their best with me. I grew up in a rural community just outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And uh, not many people looked like me where I grew up. And, you know, that there was a lot that entailed, uh, a lot that I had never told my parents, and I, nor will I, because it would break their heart. Um, you know, for me to see the response on social media uh, both inspired me and broke my heart. Um, I had family members posting stuff at which I'm not going to name people or any of those type of things. Um, you know, that I love, you know, but they necessarily don't see me or me. Um, and then having great conversations with my parents and my family, my, my, my true, my closest family, my brothers, my sister, my brother, my sister, my mom and dad, um, and the understandings of what maybe they don't know. Um, it, it, for me, that quote speaks to the idea of you have to listen to be able to have a voice. If you don't listen before you speak, if you don't learn, and you may not agree, that's fine. I, I'm fine if you don't agree. I, you know what? Fine. I can live with that. But have respect understand and listen and you know it it, uh, it it hurts me to see people so quick to say something on social media without thinking without without thinking about what that means and I I, I, I you know Facebook I haven't posted a whole lot my Twitter and Instagram have been a little bit more active but I've been more so it said mentioned I've been watching um, I've been watching been watching the great things, inspiring things a lot of people around me have been doing. Um, I've also been correcting a lot of people behind the scenes um, about some of the information that they're sharing um, and and how there's a lot of misinformation out there too. Um, so that quote to me means a lot. Dr. Martin Luther King gave his life for this, gave everything. He, he made the ultimate sacrifice for us to be able to have this podcast today, for us to had the opportunity to walk down the street and protest. He, he him, Malcolm X, um, served the ultimate, ultimate price. And um, I think people forget that sometimes. They're quick to post, hey, Martin Luther King said this, but he was killed saying this. He was killed because he was black, 
and he was getting too loud. And today, it is it is important that we listen, and it's important that we say something, everybody. Jason. Yeah, listening to Corey talk made me uh, think something I meant to mention. Um, you're seeing a lot of things on social media um, of a little black kid and a little white kid or vice versa running and hugging and, and playing together. You're not born hating a certain color. Uh, it's taught. And so... Again, as educators and coaching and coaches teaching, you know, it can't just be about basketball. You know, athletes, um, for the most part, are well-respected and have a lot of influence. And if we can get our athletes um, to treat everyone with dignity and respect, um, I think that can go a long way. Greg, did you want to add something? I was just going to follow up with what Corey said. You know, um, Martin Luther King, and maybe this is something you want to talk about in the future or a little bit later in the show, Brandon. But you know, we had Martin Luther King, and we had Malcolm X, and um, they made so much positive change possible. And there's been that void of somebody on the national level. And um, you know, why is that? Will we ever, given that they had to pay the ultimate price, can we ever get back to, could a leader like that develop today and take us the rest of the way? Mm. John. I just, listening to Jason and uh, going back to you just kind of pointing out me being the younger guy of the group and kind of actually being around to live to see a lot of things and um it just reminded me of it reminded me how i felt on sunday i was driving down sheridan when uh, the protest was really just this start it was really starting um you know cars down the street and everything and horns are honking and and people are unified and, and the cars together and i just remember thinking to myself i was kind of frozen in time I was just like, this is something really historic right now. This is huge. This is, I'm at a stoplight at Sheridan and 52nd Street right now, kind of watching history happen. So it was pretty moving to kind of just be there in that moment. And um, I, I'm glad Jason brought up the uh, that image of the kid in the Philadelphia with the basketball hoop and, hey, I have hand sanitizer, come play. I just want to bring people together and, with us being coaches and it's always talked about how you know sports are a microcosm or if talked correctly if coached correctly and in, in, in positive ways sports are definitely a microcosm of life obviously right now we're not playing sports we're not coaching sports right now we're talking about life um i'm not going to agree with my opponents when i'm in between those lines but after all, we're all playing the same game. We're playing basketball. We're playing whatever game it was that we're in between the lines. We're, at the end of the day, we respect each other for our efforts. Um, you know, we just, it's a shame that it's not so much like that in society. That respect isn't there in all cases. Excellent, excellent. Some powerful words, powerful meaning. 
from all of you guys. As we close out this first segment, uh, thank you guys for being vulnerable. Um, let's rock out this next segment. Yo, what up? I'm back. The host, Brandon Morris with the You Can Be Mo podcast. I have some gentlemen on the line. Our our, our bench players uh, checking in with us tonight. Uh, giving some uh, very emotional uh, talks about what's been happening. Uh, the injustices all you know across the country for, for many years. And uh, we got to appreciate these uh, basketball coaches uh, throughout Wisconsin, kind of being vulnerable and and giving their way in on on all of the injustices, specifically uh, the George Floyd case. So, fellas, opening you up with this question: If if you were leading the country. And this situation comes upon us. You have protesting, obviously riots, uh, some looting going on. 60 seconds or less. Uh, how, do you, how do you address the country uh, at any point over the last week? And, I, and I'll give you guys some time to, to think. I, I'll try and start us off. So if I'm the president and I'm leading the country, I think I would uh, have to address uh, America stating, you know, we are in some difficult and unfortunate times. Um, like all of you guys, I want to see justice prevail. I want to uh, send my deepest condolences uh, and my prayers to the families, to the community, uh, and to everyone all over the country who's obviously been impacted to this, and to the folks all over the world. Obviously, all eyes are on Minnesota. All eyes are on the U.S., and I think it's, uh, or I believe in the folks in Minnesota, the mayor, the governor, the police chief, the FBI, and everybody in, in charge. 
I believe they would do us right. Uh, I think uh, justice will be served in this time. And I want to fully support everyone that's involved. Um, and I know we are uh, still in a pandemic. Um, but I want to come to Minnesota and I will be in Minnesota to support um, the family, to support the city, the community uh, throughout this time. I will uh, definitely allow uh, the police department, the FBI, the investigators to do their jobs. Um, and I look for justice to be served. And as long as I'm president, I will make sure that justice is served. And I think that's, that's kind of how I would address uh, the American public. And then I would continue with uh, what, what I talked about earlier in the first segment, just saying how we all, we all have a responsibility and that's not, that's to not let this conversation stop. And that's not to let your actions stopped. Uh, and that's also to hold all of your local leaders accountable. Um, for making sure that they take a look at the reforms and and hold everyone in, in, in those positions accountable. Um, and, and then just go from there. And then for me, president or not, I'm gonna show up right on that battleground. I'm gonna be right there visiting the site. I'm gonna go talk uh, to that police department, I'm, whether it's the right thing or not, I, I think I would have to go there and, and and show my support, show my condolences, be sincere, be authentic, and and really, you know, support those that are in those positions to do their jobs, not put pressure on them, uh, but at the same time, make sure they do what's right. Uh, so, John, we're going to start with you. I might be reaching even a little bit further back before even addressing the nation on a certain you know, events and everything like that, but we're all in leadership positions, and to be an effective leader, you would hope that your actions and your values and your words coincide with each other. So if I was in a position to be that the leader of the country, I would hope that my actions leading up to something like this would fit my values and what I, how I address the country and what I would say to the people of the country because otherwise you're not effective. If you're being hypocritical, if you're not true to your word, if you're not authentic. Um, so, I mean, even going before a possible address, it would just be being true to what you um, believe, being true to your word and your actions. But in terms of addressing the country, I'm not trying to make a joke by saying it like this, but I would address the country. You know, there there hasn't been a feeling of that. I remember being a kid when 9-11 happened, watching the presidential address that night with my family. You know, there wasn't anything like that in the last two weeks. There wasn't any opportunity to have all eyes on you glued to the television set or a stream as a formal address talking about things that we're talking about right now. 
and um well i like what you said and i agree with you about being visible being present being being amongst everybody that's hurting and being amongst everybody that's affecting because it is affecting everybody whether people want to say it or not I, I know i've been kind of repeating myself with the word, using the word humanity and everything like that but that's it really is what it is it's everybody so like we do as coaches you remind everybody of your roles and how you talked about letting the fbi the police do their jobs i mean everybody needs to be reminded of their roles as humans and how to best effectively carry carry out those roles together as a country great isn't it amazing that we've been what week and a half however long it has been and our president hasn't addressed the country the void is so large that two former presidents felt the need to do it. Um, that's sad. The one thing that he chose to do um, during this time was to stand in front of a, a church and hold up the Bible. Uh, I'm still grappling for what all that meant, um, that photo op, but... John and Brandon, you hit a lot of the points, but I just I take you back to the to the world of business because that's what I'm in. But any great business has a great leader with a vision. Um, that's what Martin Luther King was. He was a great leader. He had a vision, and people followed him, and, and change occurred. Um, so as a as president, I need I need to have a vision of what good is. Um, and, and how do I do that? I have, you know, I create a task force. I'm involved. I'm, I'm finding out I've got leaders in the African-American community and the policing community. I'm putting people together. We're coming up with a framework of best practices, maybe, and, and try to make those changes on the local level immediately. Um, you know, if I have a boss in, in, in the business world, he's doing his job. He's saying, hey, Greg, this is my vision. This is where we need to go. Let's discuss, give me your thoughts on how we're going to get there. And then I'm going to empower you to go make those changes and, and reach our success. And I, I think, um, not to carry on, but that's that's the model that we need to have moving forward from here. Excellent. Thank you. Say. Hey, each one of the guys before me uh, touched base on everything, um, um, even GL. Um, you know, my address to the nation, uh, my vision, um, what I want to see as far as uh, my kids growing up in, in the world, um, the United States, and, you know, how I can make um, each day better, um, our time value. Um, I'm on the front lines with you, Brandon. Uh, I'm going to the battlegrounds. Uh, I'm putting on my, my T-shirt and my hoodie, and I'm walking with the people. I'm going to hold their hands. Um Going back to what G.L. said, uh, him standing in front of the church with a Bible, huh, I saw the Hitler thing came up in my uh, came up in my mind. But the fact that how he got there, um, you know, as G.L. said, uh, he has not addressed the nation yet, or the country, or Minnesota yet. Um, he got there by having armed men attack protesters peacefully just to get across the street. Um, so that speaks loudly of a person like that, but um, it's a vision. 
Um, you know, like GL says, um, I got high hopes for my vision. Um, and then the caucus surrounding me, um, I got to make sure they're on the highest level um, that I am so that we can get all these dreams um, pushed through past somehow or another um, so that we're not going back in time. Um, it's getting ridiculous um, from one president to another president to another president that we're seeing an individual of Trump's statue. Um, I mean, he's setting us back. I mean, uh, in a pandemic like we're in right now, um, you know, we, we have to uh, practice what we're teaching. And uh, that's, that's all I'm about. That's what I want to see. Jason. Yeah, I'll just be piggybacking basically on everyone, but um, to Greg's point, I think I would get people of different races from both sides politically immediately talking about how what transpired just can't happen anymore. Um, I don't think any person in their right mind saw what happened regardless of their political party or their race was okay with what they saw. Um, and I think that should have been done immediately. Um, and also, um, you know, there's bad apples in every profession, but this guy had a history and I can only speak for myself. I, I know some great men and women in Kenosha are seen that are law enforcement, just the type of people we want protecting us and what can we do to have whether it's a yearly review or quarterly review what can we do to make sure that those that are serving and protecting us uh which again the ones i know are, are great people um but they're, they're the right type of people corey thank you for that jason you know, I think I would start off with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. Um, and my first thing before I address anybody, I address their family and families um, and their closest loved ones. And all the names that have come before them, all the names that are going to come after them, because there are going to be names, it's not going to fix overnight. We're seeing it now. There's deaths coming out of the protests. Um I would have boots on the ground. I would be, just like you said, Brandon, a couple of you guys have said, I would go right to Minneapolis. Um, my first speech would be right there, downtown Minneapolis. And I wouldn't be tweeting. I wouldn't be, um, you know, calling for domination. In fact, I would call on what our United States is supposed to be built on our constitution. And I'd be calling on our citizens to use their freedom of speech, use their First Amendment. For all the people that fought so hard for their Second Amendment, they're forgetting about how important the First Amendment is. And I'm a Second Amendment believer. I, you know, I am. I, I, I carry. I don't conceal carry, but I do. I do own weapons. But to understand that, you have to allow American citizens their rights. Shannon Sharp said, Michael Holden, who's not here with us tonight, shared with us a video today with Shannon Sharp talking to Skip Bayless. 
and he talked about the old, the old black spiritual we shall overcome. And he really said it well. He said, why should we have to overcome if we're an American citizen? If you're an American citizen, we should have the same exact rights as our white American citizens. We should not have to overcome all of these hurdles within our system to be able to get to the point of being successful. And there are, there's, there's built-in hurdles for every one of us that look like us. And as a president, I would say to the country, I'm sorry. I would say I apologize that we are in this state right now. I can't change what happened, but I will do everything in my power to change what can happen. And I would lean on my local leaders and my community leaders. My next calls after the family and after my address in Minneapolis would be meeting with every community leader there, including the police chief asking how the hell can this happen and why did this happen? And you know what? Why does this guy have 10, 10 incidents with nothing happening to this man? Nothing. You know, I had a really powerful uh, moment with one of my friends who's in the Department of Justice in Wisconsin. And uh, somebody attacked him on Facebook. And I said, you know, this, this man works in human trafficking, stopping human trafficking for kids that look like us. This is his job. He investigates murderers, he investigate all those things. This man has done more for our population than a lot of the people that even look like us. I'm not saying that we need to go out and attack good cops. What I'm saying is, is we need to root out the bad ones. And we need to root out the people that their thinking is antiquated. They're still in Mississippi in the 50s. And we need to get rid of that thought process. And I know they're saying, I know I said today, generationally, it changes but we also can't stand for allowing it to happen i don't care what generation you're from it can't happen that's where my speech would start as a president and then we would break into all those things um but my first one would be let's let's talk about all these families that have truly lost they, they've paid the ultimate sacrifice as well greg I just wanted to add one thing. You know, we talk about grassroots operations and bringing it down to the local level. That can be done. We do it every four years running for president. Those guys for power, for money, whatever it is, we can get the grassroots operations and get people involved in the local level to win a presidency and all of the money, the special interest money that is um, donated year in and year out or year uh, election cycle, every election cycle, to, in order just to do that, we, we can't do that to enact real change. Yes. Mm. Any thoughts to that? Go ahead, uh, Corey. I agree. You know. The other thing President Obama spoke about a lot in the last week is voting. Um, our vote matters. I don't care what people say, that you know, there's so many people. Our vote matters. We have to get out to the polls. We have to do our homework. We can't be lazy. It can't be like when we were in high school when we didn't want to do the homework so we had somebody else do it for us. Get out, do your homework, vote. Vote on your local level, state level, federal level. I don't think I've ever been more disappointed in our federal leadership 
ever, ever for the last three years, however many years now this has been going on. Um, our elected officials, both in Congress and at the in the White House, have been an absolute atrocity. And I would have a very hard time voting for anybody as an incumbent right now. And um, my other thing as a president would be, you know what, we're not having any more lifelong politicians. You you serve the people. It's not the other way around. They don't serve you. You serve the people. You are living off of their tax dollars. And, and it just, it, it sickens me to see the political posturing over this man's death and, and all the others that have been before him. And to see that and what's going on, it, it, it really, it, it, it hurts to see. John, you want to add to it? Yep. Um, about the voting, and it kind of goes with that, you know, we talked about a lot of educating people and the education piece earlier too, but the voting thing kind of reminds me of uh, what Charles Barkley came out and said a few years ago, 2015, and I'll, I'll paraphrase. And he's talking about, you know, where he's from. He's from Leeds, Alabama, you know, from the South. And he goes, he basically said, you know, people from where I'm from, they're complaining about things not changing, but yet you haven't changed the way you voted either. Or something like that. You know, I'm voting Charles, paraphrasing Charles Barkley. And so how do you vote differently? How do you understand how to vote differently? You educate yourself. You look into the candidates. You look at at what they stand for you look at issues that are around you that affect you and who's the candidate that's going to best affect change that that's the change that you want so don't get yourself stuck in a cycle just because that's what you're comfortable doing excellent um so today uh i see uh, a few of you guys have uh you tuned in to the msbn star what is it, MSNBC? Uh, as ex-president uh, Barack Obama ad addressed the nation, I think they kind of had it. Um, and he did touch on protest and vote. Highlight a problem and make people in power uncomfortable but we also have to translate that into practical solutions and laws that can be implemented. And he went on to say, what do, what do I mean by that? One, there are specific evidence-based reforms uh, in 21st century police task report that can be looked at, that should be implemented. Um, and he says, every mayor in every city all across the country should review your use of force policy with your members of your community and then commit to report on plan reforms and the last point he touched on he said every city should be a my brother's keeper community which have uh, proven uh, reduces barriers and it expands opportunities for young black men. Um, we all are basketball coaches at the high school level and Corey has been a, a basketball at the high school level, now at the college level. What can we do in our job every day? I think we work closely with, with players throughout the year, 
Um, and we work even closer for those four months that we're really battling. Um, as a high school coach, and Corey as a college coach, what can we do uh, to help change the narrative or to paint a different picture? Not just speaking to those black players because that's not who who can make the change because we have players from all different ethnicities ethnicities all different backgrounds different races what can we do to the players that we coach what can we say how do we talk about change how do we do that when it's when we're, when we're coaching basketball i know i, I feel like it could be difficult but what can we do as coaches? Jason. Um, so, Prairie, we are uh, diverse. We're more diverse than we've ever been, both as a basketball program and as a school. Um, and our president, who's been at the school for six years now, takes that very seriously. He wants to be as diverse as possible, reflect the real world. Um and it just goes to show, last year at Summer League, uh, I need more than two hands to count the number of coaches or opposing parents who would come up to me, and I, I don't coach Summer League. Um, I, I like them to hear a different voice. So who would come up to me while just watching a, and observing our team play, what's going on at Prairie? Uh, how are you getting some African-American players you talk about disappointing. Um, they tested in. You have to have the grades. Um, but to get to your question, so I think first and foremost is we have to be a safe space for our players, regardless of race. And and um, my players know I have an open door policy, whether right or wrong, and, and I'm just – it's something that our defensive coordinator did at Carthage. Um, if I get my wallet stolen, then so be it. But my, I don't lock my door. And during our advisory period or before school or after school, my office is full. There's not enough room for basketball players and non-basketball players. And they know that what's said in there that, you know, unless something's against the law that needs to be reported, that I need to mandatorily report, if mandatorily is a word. <laughs> um, it is now. They're comfortable just talking in there. And sometimes they're looking for advice or sometimes they're just looking for someone to vent to or to talk to. Um, and again, it, there's always uh, multiple races in there. And so I think they need to feel comfortable with us, number one. Um, and when they ask advice that you know, from play, this is player to coach. This is not uh, athletic director to Prairie School student. Um, the politically, the PC stuff, that has to go away. You need to be real with them. They need to know that you're going to be real with them, that you have their backs, and that you will advocate for them. Because um, they're not just telling some sob story. They're telling their real-life story. Um, and so if we can do that and, and we can make a change in, in just a couple lives, regardless of race, um, 
that goes a long way. Jason, or John, thank you for that, Jason. Um, I really like what Jason was talking about with his open door policy. Um, I've been coaching, well, see, I coach baseball and basketball and probably within, I've been coaching for about eight years. And one of the things that I'm appreciative of and one of the things I definitely learned early on, some of the most important conversations you have with your players have nothing to do with the sport you coach. Mm. And it's, it's about life. It's about connections you've made with people, um, anything, school, social life, how it affects them. Uh, as a teacher, I mean, I, I have kindergarten through eighth grade, and then obviously I coach at the high school level, so I've been fortunate to be around kids of all ages every day in my, in my professional life. And I know that in my gym as a PE teacher, if a kid's acting out, and it's not to be conceited or anything, more times than not, it has nothing to do with me. They're not being personal against me. My first thought is, and I'll, if I get the opportunity to talk to that student, how was your morning? You know, how, how did your day start? How was your morning? Because it might have been, it might start at home. Everybody has a different situation. Um, but when I think about my, my conversations with high school kids, usually it's after practice, usually it's before practice, usually it might be on a bus ride to and from games. But the more important conversations I've found, they don't have anything to do with basketball or baseball. And I think that's pretty, that's a pretty cool thing that we get as coaches to kind of realize those things. Um, I was actually put in a situation, or I don't want to call it a situation, I was put in a spot as a coach, it was an opportunity. Um, and I'm not going to say what sport, what year it was, what school it was, wherever, but um, a black student athlete came to me and said, Coach, some of our, some of my white teammates are using the N-word pretty comfortably. When I said, oh, comfortable or not, they shouldn't be using it at all. And as, as upset as I was to hear about that, um, it gave me an opportunity to, to address the team about it. And I remember specifically the first thing I talked to them about was I gave them a history of what the N-word was and where it came from. And it's unfortunate that kids are using derogatory language no matter towards whom. Number one, it's unfortunate it's happened. Number two, they have no idea what, what the historical context is, what it was used for. It's just being thrown out. So as much of a, as a stressful situation it might have seemed at the time, I'm actually very fortunate it happened. And, and I, I was, as a coach, I was given that opportunity to have a talk like that with the team early on in my career. Excellent. Anybody else? Corey. It's great to hear from you guys on that topic too, uh, man. Um, you know, I, I had a proud moment this week one of my ex-players who, of all things, he's a country singer now, uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> who the hell thought I'd coach a country singer? And uh, he's in Nashville right now, and uh, him and I had a, a great talk. Um, he's actually part of leading the protests in Nashville. Wow. Um, white, a white player, um, if you couldn't figure that out from the country music. But, um, you know, he, he said to me, one of the things that he wants to do is he wants to change the narrative. And I've heard that a lot. And for me, you know, I, I hear a lot of, okay, this is how I'm, I'm supporting my black players. But our black players aren't the ones that need the change in mentality. They really don't. Um, they need to understand they're safe. 
they need to understand that they can come to us. I think there's a natural built-in with that myself, with Brandon, with Seth, that they're already going to see. Um, my thing that I've done with a lot of our white players is that just that, trying to change the narrative. I'm going to model, inspire, and empower them. Um, I want them to understand we're not all disadvantaged. We're not all we're not all the sad taste you see on TV and what social media wants you to see and the media wants you to see. There are a lot of us that are. But understand that giving us a crutch isn't right, but standing side by side with with us is through every system, through every single thing, being there for us. Not saying the N-word. That's pretty, you'd think that'd be pretty remedial, but we have that. Um, and I express to them what it means to be uncomfortable. I put them in uncomfortable positions when I can, whether it's on the basketball floor or outside the basketball floor. And I love to have discussions. I love that. I, I have a political science minor. I love talking politics. I love talking with my players about politics. I love talking about issues, current issues that are going on. Um, I want them to understand that we are their equal. And I model that every day I possibly can with them. And I think sometimes we forget that. I even saw a video today where they were trying to explain white privilege, but their video started with a young black kid from a very disadvantaged home and a white person from a very privileged home. Well, what type of message are we sending right off the bat, right? I look at I look at the families that Brandon said myself. I, I saw a very prominent business owner in Green Bay who is a very good friend of mine posting about, you know, how do these guys have time to riot and loot because they don't have a job, right? Something of that nature. And my response was, actually, the black men and women that I know are some of the most intelligent, hardworking, and busy people I know. <laughs> and for any of us to take that time out of our day, I own my home. I own a business. I am you but I'm black. And for me, I want to model that for my players, every one of them. I want to put them in situations that they're uncomfortable. I want them to help all people across the board. And then one of the things that I talk about a lot, I'm a director on our campus. I'm the youngest director on our campus, as you know, and I academic support. And my one thing I want to do is I want to rip down the barriers for my students that are black and brown, period. I want to rip them down. I want to rip them down for all of my students. I work with all of our disability students, accommodation students, but I want those barriers ripped down and I want to lift them with them through those barriers. That's my that's my job. And if I can teach them that, and if I can get a country singer, a kid from North Three Lakes, Wisconsin, Sugar Camp, Wisconsin, who has a fantastic voice. One, he has actually the country album is really good. Um, I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of all my players doing those type of things. Great. Yeah, just real quick to Jason and, and Corey's point. Jason's about being there to support the kids, and, and Corey about uh, role modeling um, to all kids. But specifically in my case, um, as a coach at Bradford, 
um, I, I know that we may run across a kid that I may not be able to reach. Um, and when I got to Bradford, I wanted to have strong character men of color that could fill in that gap if I couldn't do it. And uh, I have been lucky, Brandon, to have you, to currently have said, and to have Michael that can all model um, behavior and character. I mean, I don't know that there's a, a, a harder, harder working coach that I have than said. Um, busting his butt, and he doesn't ever have to say a word. I mean, those kids see that. All kids see that, black and white. Um, but I know that, I know my, my inabilities, uh, for whatever reason, I may not be able to do that, but I've got good, strong black coaches that are with me that can fill in the gaps and provide that support that we need to provide to those kids. Said, do you want to add anything? Just touch bases on everybody's um, topic or, you know, what you guys said, especially what Gio said. Um, it goes back to, you know, like Gio said, uh, me hardworking. Um, I was probably in a company where I work at right now, the first black president of that company. Um, I did it for about three and a half years, and I did my job still. Um, so I was able to relate um, and then bring that to the basketball court. Um, my home life, um, it's not saying that I was privileged. Uh, it was a, it's an everyday struggle, um, but um, you know, just being or given that opportunity, um, when I got that call about the uh, position at Bradford was, um, it was an eye opener because, um, I never left, shall I say the, the hood or the area that I grew up in. I can walk it till this day, um, by myself, like I did as a kid, um, hopefully not worry about anything and, uh. You know, just just relate to the kids and, and, and talk to them every day about it, um, because that's the facts of life, right or wrong or indifferent. Um, what's going on in society right now? Um, someone has to change it. Someone has to be a leader. Um, we got to have that voice. Um, that voice has got to be heard. Um, whether or not we can get through them, it is a challenge for you know, like Brandon said, the the four months or however long we're with that kid. Um, and then there goes the lessons of. You know, I had a one of, one of my uh, players actually came over and went swimming with my son the other night. Um, just, you know, the conversations that we had, other than basketball, because of what's going on in life right now, um, you, you, you want to be able to do that. Um, you you want to be able to walk the streets and have a kid stop you and say, hey, coach, or, you know, call you by your name when you're not coaching them. So those are, those are great experiences. And, and, Every one of you coaches touch bases on something that, that is a positive that the kids should get out of and, you know, and cherish for life. Because we don't see that in this area too often. Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, I thank all you guys for, I mean, that's, that's a tough question because I know our work uh, because of the pandemic and then, um, because of of the murder of George Floyd will look different. It'll sound different. Um, and for me, I think 
I just have to continue being an example um, to beat out those stereotypes that are out there, uh, to be to beat out those misrepresentations of a black man. Um, um, and, and, and to be an education and give as well as challenge my players to educate themselves as well as I'm educating them. Um, and also, like Greg mentioned, me having other black coaches uh, and white coaches as well, but to to show how we interact with love, with respect, um, and and just continue to empower my coaches, that we will empower our players, um, and then I think again to challenge our players daily. I really thrive off of that as a basketball coach and I challenge my coaches to thrive off that as well, to challenge our players uh, because I feel like that's what we all sign up for. Um, in life, I, we're seeing it for the last two weeks. Life is gonna hit you with some really tough challenges. It's not gonna be all peaches and cream. It's not just gonna be all cotton candy. Um, and, and, and really it's about a lot of adversity. How do you meet those challenges? How do you help others when you see that they are challenged? Um, and I think allowing those players to see you vulnerable uh, allowing those players to be vulnerable is, is a big challenge in itself. Um, and then again, just as John mentioned very early in the, in the first segment, uh, humanity. Um, and then instilling that into your players. Talking about and showing the importance of giving back to your community. Uh, I, I'm really big on that. Uh, I try to practice that as much as I can, uh, just giving back to your community because I think that's what makes a community go around. I, I, I always look back at my childhood and growing up and all the people that were giving back to the community that I didn't know at that time was giving back to the community. Uh, they are those people who now I think back that inspire me. And and then I look at my mother and my grandmother. Um, those are the people that inspired me and challenged me and made it important for me to, to be the coach that I am today, to continuously challenge my players to be better people uh, overall, because that's what, that's what, uh, what makes the community go daily is just challenging and meeting those challenges. Um, and I, I know you guys can take that in so many different directions when it comes to your players. Um, I know a lot of my players, a lot of, uh, it, there's a thing, uh, I can't come up with the word right now, but being at St. Joe, there's the thing that 
all these kids are rich kids and they have it made. Um, and, and that's not the case. But for those that is that is the case, you, you can almost you can almost yeah the perception the stigma that is the case or that's how it's perceived. And I like to challenge those players. Uh, I like to challenge those players just as much as I like to challenge those players that don't come from those same backgrounds. And and it's interesting to see uh, the dynamics. Um, so again, I, I I thrive on that, and I think I'll always do that as a coach um, because I think that's what forms you into a a man or a young man for for the guys that we coach. Um, so, lastly, uh, on the on this segment, uh, because the times are going so quick and it's uh, it's amazing conversation. It's it's really deep. Uh, I'm going to read you guys an extremely long quote, and then I want you guys to kind of leave us uh, with some closeouts just about tonight about how you felt over the last two weeks or what this this conversation on tonight's podcast meant to you. So this comes from Jesse Williams. It says, this is not for me. This is for real. This is for the real organizers all over the country, the activists, the civil rights attorneys, the struggling parents, the families, the teachers, the students that are realizing that a system built to divide and impoverish and destroy us cannot stand if we do. It's kind of basic mathematics. The more we learn about who we are and how we got here, the more we will mobilize. This is also in particular for the black women who have spent their lifetimes dedicated to nurturing everyone else before themselves. We can and we will do better for you. What we've been doing is looking at the data and we know that the police somehow managed to deescalate, disarm and not kill white people every day. So what's going to happen is we are going to have equal rights and justice in our country or we will restructure their functions and ours. I got more, I got more of y'all. Yesterday, yesterday would have been Tamir Rice's 14th birthday. So I don't want to hear any more about how far we've come when paid public servants can pull a drive-by on 12-year-old playing alone in the park in broad daylight, killing them on television, and then going home to make a sandwich. Tell Rakia Boyd how it's so much better than it is to live in 2012 than it is to live in 1612 or even 1712. Tell that to Eric Gardner. Tell that to Sandra Bland. Tell that to Dorian Hunt, to Ahmaud Arbery, to George Floyd. Now the thing is, all of us as coaches, we all are making money. That alone is, isn't going to stop this. Now dedicating our lives 
dedicating our lives to getting money just to give it right back for someone's brand on our body. When many of us black coaches for centuries praying with brands on our bodies. And now we pray to get paid for brands on our bodies. That's deep. There has been no war. We have not fought and died on the front lines of. There has been no job we haven't done. There's no tax they haven't levied against us. And we've paid all of them. But freedom is somehow always conditional here. You're free, they keep telling us. But she would have she would have been alive if she hadn't acted so free. Now, freedom is always coming in the hereafter. But you know what? The hereafter is the hustle. We want it now. And let's get a couple things straight. Just a little side note. The burden of brutalized is not to comfort the bystander. That's not our job. All right? Stop with all of that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have a, an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestions to those who do. Sit down. We've been floating this country on credit for centuries. For centuries, yo. And we're done watching and waiting while this invention called whiteness uses and abuses us, burying black people out of sight and out of mind while extracting our culture, our dollars, our entertainment like oil. Black gold, ghettoizing, and demanding our, cre our cre creations, then stealing them, gentrifying our genius, and then trying us, trying us on like costumes before discarding our bodies like rinds of strange fruit. The thing is, though, the thing is that just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. So that came from... Jesse Williams, when he accepted an award um, at the BET, uh, at the BET Awards, I don't know what year that was in, but that speech was just phenomenal. I didn't do it as justice as he did, but uh, it was amazing. Um, so, again, I. I want to tell you guys, I appreciate you guys uh, taking this week off of talking about basketball and just putting our focus on George Floyd's life, the murder of George Floyd, the injustices, um, and then weighing in on the officers, obviously, now all four being charged and arrested. Um, again, for you guys being vulnerable and, uh, giving your opinions through your lived experiences. Um, and I think it was, uh, 
a balanced conversation. It seemed like it went so quick. Uh, and, and I'm glad that we have a, a diverse podcast. I wish I can say that that was the plan when it first started, but uh, I'm thankful that it just happened organically. And when I say diverse, uh, I mean uh, short, tall, bald, younger, and older. Um, it's always a great, authentic conversation. Um, so just for the first and second segment, um, if you can give one word, just one word at all, um, give it to us and then, um, we'll come back with some closing remarks for, from all of you guys. Uh, we like to start with the youngest pup of the group on our roster, Johnny Ack. Knowledge. Knowledge. Jason Atanasoff. Say it again, I'm sorry. Transformation. Transformation. Corey. Empowerment. Empowerment. Said. Corey stole mine. I'm going empowerment too. Empowerment. <clears throat> Greg. Understanding. Understanding. Love it. Um, I'm going to go with love. Love. Um, again, this, this podcast has been all the way real. Uh, very appreciative. And um, thank you guys. All right, so we got our closing closing remarks from all of the coaches talking about the injustices. Um, George Floyd's uh, murder that happened last week. And they're just going to give their closing remarks. And we're going to start with uh, Coach John Atkins, assistant coach uh, for the, the, the varsity team out at Westosha Girls Basketball. John. Um, I don't want to repeat something I said, but I will. Uh, tonight, I said something about how being a coach, sometimes your most important conversations or most impactful conversations have nothing to do with the sport you coach. And with this being a predominantly basketball podcast, uh, this is definitely one of those conversations I won't forget. Um... I, you know, being a teacher and a coach, one of the most, even just as a person, as a human being, one of the most, one of the most important hey, qualities you can have as a human being, no matter what the occupation is, the ability to be reflective and to take what's been given you or think about how you live your life, uh, how you, how you carry your business and how you carry yourself. Um, and I also said something last week when I talked about how fortunate I am to be in a position on this podcast to do more listening and to hear other viewpoints and to hear other stories and to hear um, 
and you have stories of the life of people that are are on this podcast with us. Um, I'm not gonna lie, at, in our first segment, I was moved to tears at some points. Um, Jim Valvano said in his famous SP speech, a full day consists, I'll paraphrase, a full day consists of uh, laughing, being moved to a complete state of thought, and then being moved to tears. So tonight, with everything that was being said and everything I, I got to listen to, I experienced a full day within the last two and a half hours or two hours that we've been talking. And um, I, just an example, I mean, I, I was kind of kicking myself. I was being reflective earlier in, in the first part of the podcast, and my girlfriend can definitely attest to this. I was upset this morning because I was just doing some finance stuff and budgeting things and you know, just things that happen in real life. And I remember how upset I was thinking about certain things earlier in the day and listening to you guys speak tonight and then realizing what's going on in the world. I thought to myself, how selfish can you be right now? You know, I know eventually I'm going to be okay. How selfish can you be for beating yourself up about finances when this whole thing around us is happening? So that was uh, definitely a part that kind of moved me to tears earlier because things are bigger than basketball things are bigger than you ever know so uh very thankful to be a part of it tonight and very thankful to listen to the words of you guys and being able to share my thoughts and stories and everything like that so thank you again brandon john thank you for those closing remarks assistant coach stosha girls basketball greg leach I'm sorry, Jason Tanisoff, head coach, Racine Prairie, the Prairie School, boys varsity basketball. Thanks for not making me follow Greg. He's uh, typically the smartest guy in our virtual room here. But, uh, no, I just appreciate, you know, I, I enjoy being on every week, but especially tonight, um, as John mentioned, listening learning i believe Corey hit on it before we don't all have to agree but we respect each other um we respect everyone's opinion and uh just listening to your guys' ideas of what we can do both for our players the schools we work at our city um there's never been more people listening and caring than today ever um and so if not now then when Jason, thank you for that. Head coach, Racine Prairie. Corey, assistant coach, St. Norbert's College, boys college basketball. Corey. Uh, you know, it, to me, the, this these few weeks have been, I'm tired. I'm tired. Um, I think I'm sick of I'm sick of a lot of false promises from our leaders. Um, I, I put it on my Instagram today, and, and you know, Ibram Kendi has been a great voice for the black community, and, and he talked about how empty it is when politicians call for healing and peace without stating any policies that deal with anti-racism. Um, and for me, 
that that hit home for me. Um, he said, words bring momentary healing and peace. Policy change brings lasting healing and peace by rooting out those causes. And for me, those causes have suffocated so many of us, um, made some of us afraid to speak, um, made some of us feel less than what we should be. And, and for me today, first of all, I love all of you guys. I appreciate you guys. Some of you guys I've only gotten to know through the podcast. Some of you guys I've known through coaching. Um, but I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys saying what you have to say. Um, you know, Brandon, my brother, always, you know, um, it, it uh, this week has been hard. <laughs> and um, I'm angry. I'm still angry. I'm angry, very angry. And, and uh, for anybody to understand what we're going through or what we're seeing and what we have seen means something. It's time to understand. It's time to listen. It's time to start really creating changes because without our fellow American citizens understanding that we need to change, nothing will change. So with them understanding that and using their power, using their voice, using their ability to vote, using their ability to change their communities, to change their, to stop people when they're wrong. That's all we're asking for. You know, we can, we've jumped a lot of hurdles in a long time, for a long time. For a long time, we've jumped a lot of hurdles. And we will jump more hurdles. But I think the, the, the starting point is the listening, understanding, and empower, lift us up. There's nothing wrong with lifting up your fellow fellow brother, whether they look like you or not. And I just, I appreciate this opportunity. It's been therapeutic for the last few weeks through a pandemic. We've seen sanctioned murders (laughs) on TV uh, for people that, you know, the guy kneeling legit thought he was going to get away with it. You could see it in his face. And the terror that that young lady goes through having recorded it. And people are saying, why didn't you jump in? She couldn't jump in. She would have been killed. She, there was nothing she could do. She was helpless to save that man's life as the others were around her. And for those people, I hope they have peace. I hope that they understand that I understand, that we understand, that they couldn't do anything because we have been in those situations. Anybody that's ever been in a life-threatening situation, um, you know sometimes you just, you're just you powerless. And I hope America understands a little bit of what we feel when you say powerless because it is a scary proposition. And I don't want ever that for my kids. And someday I hope that the narrative isn't so much us as black men and women having a conversation where the kids for them how they have to survive in day-to-day activities and more so want it to be the white families saying to their kids you will not kill black children you will not judge you will not i want the the discussion to start in the white household instead of our household mm-hmm. coach shoshosha thank you for that assistant coach st norbert's college men's basketball.
Coach said Young, head JV coach, Kenosha Bradford High School, assistant coach, boys varsity basketball. Said. I'm not going to be locked by a buck die over here, but uh, I really like what um, we have done during this pandemic. Um, I started it. I missed a couple sessions um, because of the honeydew list to be during this pandemic I um, received. But um, I like what Jason said um, as far as, uh, you know, what if you know and and then now um cory you touched the base on a lot of stuff um i'm tired i'm frustrated i'm angry this stuff happens every day in society life no matter what if it's a death or not but like i said i want to make it real short um that you know a lot of us need to actually think about right now and then the world we're talking about a guy um, that was killed on national TV, as Corey would say, individuals uh, taping it, filming it, however you want to say it or put it out there. Um, they watched or they witnessed a cop standing, preventing them from stopping other cops, which we know is wrong, and we would have to um, endure the consequences. And they also watched an individual have his knee pressure on someone's neck and they also watched two individuals hold this guy down in his midsection area um, and then his legs to keep him from getting up we all saw it on tv we all saw it in different angles various you know situations um, and whatever not um, gl touch bases on he went to a protest and he was able to um you know, endure the process of being on his knee for the nine minutes or the eight minutes or whatever not that uh, that cop held his knee on uh, Floyd's neck. Um, the big picture here is, you know, real quick, what I want to touch base on, like I said before, is we're talking about this subject right now. What if, um, how can we conquer it and stop it? We're talking about a guy that died supposedly over a $20 counterfeit bill, $20 counterfeit bill, which in the outcome that no one's talking about actually was a real $20 bill. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're <clears throat> looting for. We're protesting for uh, on top of a cop violate this guy's rights being filmed over $20. We're having a conversation right now so that everybody can hear over a $20 or $20 counterfeit bill. We're having riots. People are losing their jobs. People are getting, you know, um, beat with these rubber balls, um, you know, hit with these rubber balls or in hospitals because they're protesting peacefully in Minnesota. But the outcome, what we need to actually look at is, like I said, the system has failed us. We're losing the battle, but this is all over a $20 bill that supposedly is counterfeit. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Seth, for that. Assistant Coach Boys Varsity Basketball, Kenosha Bradford High School. Coach Greg Leach, 
head coach, Kenosha Bradford Boys Varsity Basketball. Greg. I just want to say thanks, Brandon, for giving all of us this opportunity. Um, I'm not quite sure why I'm thanking you because usually after every podcast, I can't fall asleep for about three hours just because I'm so excited over uh, the things that we've talked about and got my mind racing, and I'm sure my mind will be racing again uh, tonight. First thing that I want to say is I, I caution everybody um, as we move forward and, and we look for actionable steps, and hopefully there are some to take place at the local level, is be wary of your politicians. Um, the congressman from New York, I don't know if you guys heard it today, but uh, be, before giving a speech, he, he whispered, and it was a hot mic, and he didn't realize it, but he said, the only real reason I'm interested is because it's an election year. Um, so I think there's probably going to be things that are said that are said because somebody's concerned about being elected. So just watch out for that. Um, the thing that was scary for me is watching a murder, and that's what it was, and the guy's heart rate never got above 60. All of the things that were going around in that, in that scene, and he never, he never showed any emotion. And, and yeah, you know, he had some issues and he's going through a divorce now. Um, but God, watching that, I, I couldn't help but think I was watching a psychopath. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to paint with a broad brush and say that, you know, all cops are that way. Cause we know they're not. And Jason mentioned a lot of them that he knows that are really good people. And I think back Jason to the shooting that was at teasers, um, last year. And the gentleman was in there, uh, off-duty police officer, grabbing something to eat before he went home to his, I think, daughters. And uh, he saw something going on and felt the need to serve and protect. And in that process, um, he lost his life. So um, as we've all said, it's, it's sad that there's, you know, these bad eggs, but there's so many good ones and so on. I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that before we got off the podcast. And then in, in the last segment, Brandon, you mentioned you read that article to us, and I'm paraphrasing, but one of the things I heard was that if you're not with us, you're in our way. And there's a lot of people, and whether it's politics or whatever, it, it, there's some divisive, divisiveness. And I think... There's a, there needs to be a message of understanding. And for those that are having an issue with the protest going on, I think there's a lack of understanding. And um, what I would challenge all of them moving forward is to think about a time when you've lo you lost somebody important in your life um, and they passed away, natural causes, um, whatever it may be. And then think of George Floyd's family and the fact that they had to watch their son, their father, their uncle die on national TV because of a rogue cop putting a knee in his neck, inhumane, um, just a complete lack of um, feeling for human life. And that's something that they're never 
going to forget. And for black people across this country every day to have to live in fear that that might someday be you. Mm. And for those that are struggling to understand, it's pretty simple. Think of those two things. Think of George Floyd's family and think of every black person you know that when they step outside, they have that fear. And um, I think if you do that and you're honest, intellectually honest with yourself, uh, I think that's a, a good place to start when it comes to understanding. Wow. Thank you for that. Head coach, Greg Leach, Kenosha Bradford. Um, so with my closing remarks, uh, I feel like I'm all over the place uh, listening to all of your, your heart, heartfelt comments. Uh, again, opinions as well as lived experiences uh, means a lot to be vulnerable. Um, I think our cities, our state, the country and the world um, is at a, at a huge crossroads. Um, and just listening to you guys tonight express understanding, express uh, being a black man, express fears, expressing not knowing what it's like. Um, all of those things mean so much. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things uh, as the black community, we have, uh, for me, I would say many different white people that comment on the social media that send a text message, that give a call, trying to figure out what more can I do? Uh, or what can I do? Where do we go from here? And uh, I think the thing that I, I like to relate to them again is, you know, continue this conversation uh, and be okay with being vulnerable, having an authentic conversation. Um, and being okay with having that fear of having that conversation, but at the same time, facing your fear to have that conversation with those blacks. Uh, again, to what I keep hearing, it's echoing all throughout tonight's segment is to understand. And whatever you don't understand, ask so that you can get an understanding. And if you don't understand after that, Ask again. Ask for a second opinion, like when you're going to the doctor. Don't just ask one somebody, ask another somebody and continue having this conversation. Um, because like Barack Obama said today, the protests, they will die down. The numbers will, will dwindle. The conversations around the murder and the protests, they will die down and will become less unless we take it as our responsibility in our hearts and minds to keep the conversation going and as greg mentioned to have some actionable items some action steps that lead to change 
And that's what it's all about. It's about system levels thinking. And if we're not all thinking and challenging the system, um, it's very difficult to see change. It's only about a conversation. Um, I know I posted this earlier in the week and a lot of people didn't understand it, but when it all comes down to it, I want to know why people are protesting. Are you protesting because right now is just a thing to do, especially if you're not in Minnesota and especially if you don't know George Floyd or the family, why are you protesting? You're here in Wisconsin. You have no connection to George Floyd. Why are you protesting? So number one, for me, I always say you have to have a purpose. And then you have to be calm in your mind because this is an emotional thing where we just react to it. Uh, because like, like Greg said, think about one of your family members and them dying of natural causes. And then if you put one of your family members in your place, in their place of George. But then for us, that's a part of this podcast. Um, if we think of any one of us in that same situation as George Floyd, I mean, the first thing you have to do is be calm in your mind. I think you have to study with a purpose. So you, you study the history of the systems. You study the history of the injustices. And then you strategize with a purpose. So now you take that history that you learned and you form some strategy from where the system failed. And then from there, you organize. You organize all your strategies because when your strategies come, the strategy that you, the first strategy that you came up with might be the last strategy that you need to execute your plan. But you organize that with a purpose of how you want to go about. And then from there, you plan. So now that you strategize, you organize, now you plan with your purpose. From there, you go out and execute everything you strategize, everything you studied, everything you strategize, and everything you organize, everything you plan. You go out and execute that for the days and the weeks and the months ahead. And then from there, how do you execute? You mobilize. And you mobilize by reaching out to the Corys of the world, the Jasons of the world, the Gregs of the world, the Johns of the world. And you make sure that they be champions. And so that they pass it off. And then from there, once you mobilize, you have to have a backup plan, a plan B. And make sure it has a purpose. And if you're talking about protesting and being a part of the rallies, you have to seek legal counsel with a purpose so that you get that advice and someone is directing you. And if you say, why do you seek uh, legal counsel? Because they're going to tell you, check your record to be sure. And I'm specifically talking to everybody. Um, but check your record. Make sure you don't have any warrants. If you're out here protesting, you're out here being a part of the rally. If situations ever get bad. And the police is taking this person and that person. He picks you up and you don't know that you have a warrant, which is very possible for a lot of people. Automatically, you're going to jail. And here it is. You were trying to do a good thing. 
also have a plan with bail money because Jason Atanasoff could be at a, at a protest doing the right thing. Greg Leach could be at a protest doing the right thing. Any one of us could be at a protest doing the right thing and we can go to jail for being in the right place but at the wrong time. Someone has to bail you out. You don't want to be sitting in jail over doing something right. Um, and then from there, again, with this protest, with the rally and being a part of it and taking the knee, why are you doing it? What's your action commitment after the protest? Because that's not where it start, stops. That's actually where it starts. And then you have to understand that this work, once you're a part of the protest, it's a lifetime commitment. This is something that you have to live every single day in whatever it is that you do. And we also have to understand that if it is a life, since it is a lifetime commitment, it doesn't mean that you're right there on the front line in a commitment. You can be in the very last row and still have that commitment. If it's at the capacity of being a, a basketball coach, a sales rep, an athletic director, working in the admin office at the college, or even being a FIAD teacher, a fourth grade teacher, so on and so forth. This is a lifetime commitment. We don't do it just because it's trending right now and it feels good right now. I think we all have the power to empower others um, to see that justice is served. And that's, that's every single day. Corey. And I want to say Wisconsin is involved because we are exponentially underrepresented. Mm. We are underrepresented. We have the nation's number one most segregated city of size just to ourselves from Green Bay. And Green Bay, we're involved. We just had a young man killed not very long ago in police custody. Madison, the same. Milwaukee the same. Milwaukee had an off-duty cop choke out a young Hispanic male in a bar. We aren't just protesting because it's cool. We are protesting because it's real. It's time to change. And our purpose has to be for true change. It, ha it can't be anything for but that because the stakes are too high. There are lives on the line. There are people dying across the country for our stakes. And we will not stand still. You know, uh, young brother, Tevin Taylor, um, who I've worked out and trained, and he's been a leader in our Green Bay protests, who I'm so proud of. Um, he has said it. We will not stand for no change. And we won't. We will not. And anybody that is okay with what's going on and is okay with murders on TV and is okay with somebody being knelt on, that's not somebody I want to be associated with anyway. So today we are, as, as a state, we are protesting for a reason. And I can't speak for the rest of you guys, but I know this much. Uh, everything I will do in my power, in my role, in my college and in my community, I will do everything I can to promote that change, equality, and prop up those that may not have a voice to give them the opportunity to create that change.
And I am so hopeful for all the leaders of the world that we can develop because we need some new leadership. We'll see it right now here in the presidential election. We need new leadership and we need people that look like us. Fellas, thanks again. We're going to close it out how we started it with my man, Keith Dron. Take us away. Oh, yeah.